0: Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you are listening to another episode of I Am a Spartan OCR Podcast. Happy New Year, bitches! I know, it's a couple of weeks after New Year's, but I can still say it. Whatever. Anyway, I got a pretty cool episode right here, but let me lead into it. And it's a long episode, but I feel like I have to set it up for how this episode came about. So, I've got Ryan Atkins on the episode. So, I saw Ryan Atkins at West Virginia, me and my girlfriend, and I said, Hey, Ryan, can you take a picture with us? And he's like, No, why would I want to take a picture with y'all? And I said, Well, I'm Scott the Fane Knowles. And he's like, Who the fuck is that? I said, Well, that's me. I do the I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. He's like, Never heard of it. I said, I know. Kind of sucks. But anyway, so he agreed to take a picture with us, and I said, Hey, man, why don't you come on my show? And he's like, No way. I'm not coming on a podcast show, and I've never heard of the name. And I said, But why not? You've done it before, right? He's like, No. And so, you know, it was it took a long time and you know a lot of harassing phone calls and text messages and trolling instagram and facebook and you know some people said i kidnapped his dog and held it up for ransom until he agreed to do this interview and uh you know it's neither here or there so but anyway here it is ryan atkins ryan atkins what is going on today man
2: hey how's it going uh not too much just uh kinda hiding inside a bit today. It's pretty insane weather outside, freezing rain and there's trees going down and crazy winds, so uh yeah, not a whole lot going on today, just uh yeah, training and keeping it real.
1: Yeah, we're kinda having that same kind of weather here in the southeast. I mean I still think it's like sixty five degrees outside, but we are getting the rain and the wind too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So uh Ryan I've never had you on my show before or talked to you and, you know, just seeing you at races here and there, I'm sure you remember me. So, uh, I'm probably going to ask you some questions. I know you've been asked probably a million times. So just bear with me. <laughs> but one question no I do want to ask you is, do you still have all the Christmas presents that rhyme woods give you? <laughs>
2: uh, Yeah, I do. Um, That's intent.
1: That's intent to use.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly what, uh, when or how they're all going to be put to use, but, you know, maybe some of them will.
1: Oh, I know exactly how you'll probably reuse those. That's a re-gift, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had a buddy that gave me a coffee cup that said something really... Uh, I mean, it, it was. It, I mean, it wasn't offensive, but it was a joke to me, you know. So I just regifted at this this last Christmas, and it worked <laughs> out great. So, um, man, I want to backtrack like way into you know Ryan as a youth man. I, I I've read a lot about you. I wanted to have like a bunch of questions prepared, and I feel like I do. But one thing that was really exciting to me, and I've heard it touched on a little bit in some other podcasts, is when you got into unicycling, and it wasn't just like, hey, I'm juggling balls and riding a unicycle around. I mean, you were doing, like, extreme unicycling, and you were, like, a pro at it. And it was, like, some phenomenal stuff. I have I watched some of your videos, you know, a while back. And, I mean, man, it was some really just – I mean, if people didn't know that about you, it was like, oh, he's just a runner, you know, and he can, you know, do these obstacles. But, I mean, that was just, like, a just awesome talent in an extreme – like, X Games kind of way, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Uh, you kind of nailed it. It's kind of, um... A lot of people here, unicycling, they think, uh, like circus, or like you said, juggling, or things like that. But there's actually a whole world of uh, um, unicycling, just like there's a whole world and culture of, you know, obstacle racing, and just like I'm sure there's a whole world of, uh, you know, basket weaving and all sorts yeah. of things. So, um, it's, it's really cool, but, um... Yeah, so the stuff that I got really into was like mountain unicycling and trials unicycling. So, like, I mean, we would be jumping onto picnic tables and uh, grinding handrails and, you know, doing all sorts of stuff and, you know, falling down a lot and getting hurt and getting back up and trying it again. So, um, I think in, uh, I mean, I really loved it. I think it was just a really great sport for me because it was uh, hard, but it was kind of progressive and um, you kind of got in. You got out of it like as much as you put into it so uh yeah i just did a ton of riding and just found you know all these different ways of pushing myself whether it was you know how high i could jump on it or how far i could jump or doing that next um that next like trials uh section or trials line so we would call them um yeah so that was just a lot of fun and it's funny because i kind of think like. A lot of other people who maybe were in uh, runners growing up they'd be you know they would have had put in all these miles but at the same time I was kind of doing like this really good uh base training on the unicycle which I think really uh, turned over and played well into um, endurance athletics um, just kind of unbeknownst to me because I was just I was just having fun on the unicycle and uh you know trying hard but it wasn't like it wasn't like endurance training where you're Um, you know, the goal is to, you know, become as fit as possible and to travel fast and to run fast and to have a big aerobic engine with, with unicycling for me, the goal was, you know, to jump higher or to, you know, be better, be more technically skilled. But to do that, I had to spend hours and hours and hours. Yeah, And that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of like long run intensity. And I would just, instead of running, I would be, um, riding my unicycle or jumping on my unicycle or, um, doing things like that, so I think it really kind of, in like a kind of backwards, um, unbeknownst to me at the time way, transferred really well for me, so yeah, it's pretty
1: cool. Yeah, so, and I've talked to, i talked to Alyssa Holly, and I know Jason Dupree at OCR Talk, and a a lot of other people that I've talked to, a lot of people that have come into OCR at, you know, because I'm 40, and a lot of the other people that are like older, you know, they were real big into, like, rollerblade, like, extreme rollerblading and, like, skateboarding back in the day and, like, BMX bike and and bikes and all that. And, and here is – and this is a theory that I've had, and me and Alyssa talked about it a little bit, is when you're – I mean, not just regular trail running, but when you're doing, like, Spartan trail running where it's bushwhack trails, you know, and you're going down these sketchy downhills and the terrain is – you know, everywhere, like nothing's level and all of your footing is questionable. I just think that, you know, when you're doing tricks on like bikes and unicycles and rollerblades, you have to plan that timing where if you're flipping the board or jumping on the handrail, you've got that gap of time in between where you're putting this object on this, you know, structure. And, that estimation of that time that you start to build in your brain from, you know, years of practice. Because, you know, nobody can pick up an extreme sport and, you know, land a trick without doing it time after time after time again. And it's all about a timing. And we were talking, me and Alyssa were talking about how, like, when you're bombing a trail, you have a, you know, some people were just really good at going down hills and some people are or or not and they're a little bit more sketchy about unloading on a downhill and i found that you know that's something that you know i mean for my speed i'm kind of good at doing that and like i can totally just open up on a sketchy downhill and i think it's because i have more um oh shoot what's the word i have more i ain't gonna say ability but i have you know more balls i guess to do that because my brain can see ahead of itself and know that my foot's going to be there, my foot's going to be there, and that's a good spot, that's a good spot, you know. It's just thinking yeah. ahead of, you know, your eyes in a way. You know, you, you've you already got that, that sink in your head from planning, like you did, you know, when you're trying to, like, flip the board and, you know, do a kickflip to a grind or something like that, you know what I mean?
2: Totally. Yeah, I think that's really actually – Good insight. Um, I totally agree. I think that, like, by doing sports, especially like something like uh, mountain biking, where it's really fast, um, we have to learn to read the trail and read the rocks really fast. That transfers over into you know downhill running so well because it's really the same skill. You're just on your feet, Mm. and that's like a skill that kind of it takes a while. Like any any skill, it takes a while to. Kind of master and if you've just been kind of running on a track or running on roads your whole life um, that's gonna be a lot harder for someone to develop that and the other thing that I like to kind of think of is like I have this theory that people have different kind of like I call it processor speed yeah. and that's kind of like when you're when you're and I mean the application I see is like running on technical trails but basically you're running down a hill and it's like and I'm not calling people who are bad runners. Like, that technical runner is, like, stupid. Um, <laughs> but I just think, like, I think it's, it's, like, if you look at it from a computer, it's, like, your processor speed. It's, like, how right. fast your brain can take what it's seeing in terms of, like, rocks and roots and wet terrain and maybe a slippery off-camber rock or maybe a rock that might roll and how fast it can turn that into, like, the signal to react and step a certain way. And, like, obviously that's a skill you develop, but I think it's also um, somewhat of an innate kind of ability um, that some people just can take that information and process it a little quicker than others. And um, yeah, I think like, yeah, the best analogy is like with a computer and, you know, some people, it doesn't mean that someone's smarter than someone else. It's just that when they're dealing with lots of that type of data, they can turn it into useful, useful uh, knowledge, not smash their face in a little better. So, yeah, I think that's, it's kind of like a twofold thing. It's like nature and nurture.
1: Yeah, you know, it's like, and you're right, it is like a computer, you know, because, you you know, when you're running on the street, I mean, you can just zone out and think about everything else besides running. But when you're bombing that downhill, you're like 100%, you know, paying attention to everything that's going on. So you were like a two-time world championship in in unicycling or in some form. And, and explain to me, like, what, what did that entail?
2: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the first time I one world championships, um, it was out in uh, around the Seattle area, um, unicycle world championships, and I won for trials, which was kind of always what I loved to do. Um, and trials competitions, they would basically – They set, like, somewhere between 40 and 60 different kind of trials, lines, or sections. And, like, they could be really simple or they could be really, really complicated, really hard, um, and everything in between. And the idea is that you have, you know, two or three hours to go through the course and do as, like, successfully complete as many of these things as possible. So it's kind of like you'd have as many tries as you want, but you're still governed by the time. And at first, they weighted the problems. They would like, you'd get, say, 27 points for the hardest problem, and you'd get one point for the easiest and everything in between. But then they found out after a while that all the best riders could do the really easy ones, anyways. So they just eventually gave all the different problems a score of one. And it's just whoever completed the most, the highest number um, overall would win. So you'd kind of just go around and pick off as many of these as possible and um so yeah I was like I was pretty good at that and I would just kind of rip around and get as many as possible and at the end of the two or two or three hours uh I was the one who had the most um points and so I won I won that year and then um another year the race was or the competition was in Switzerland and um I won that event as well as uh think high jump Um, which, yeah, you do a high jump over a bar on a unicycle, which is kind of cool. And, uh, I think I won one of the mountain unicycling events, too. They have, like, a downhill and a cross country and things like that, so,
1: um... That sounds really scary, going to, doing a mountain biking downhill on a unicycle. That sounds really scary.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty scary, but it's also, like, it's not not that bad, because, like, you've got, I don't know, you've got, um... You can only really go so fast on a unicycle because you're governed by how fast your legs can spin because it's a direct drive.
1: Oh, so, so it like, doesn't freewheel. I oh, got downhill. you. I got you.
2: Right. It doesn't freewheel. So don't like downhill mountain biking where you're going, like, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour. Um, downhill unicycling, you're probably going, you know, 10 to maybe 20 tops. So if you fall. That's
1: still like, fast.
2: The falls like, the falls a little less, uh. little less committing i guess
1: (laughs) so how? yeah, yeah i
2: mean it has the potential to get hurt for
1: sure so what was the height of the uh jumps on these uh contests
2: oh um so for the high jump i think i set a world record and i believe it was right around a meter maybe like 102 centimeters or so um so that's like you just kind of stand on your cycle and, and just jump over this bar and you'd have to like not knock, knock, knock it over just like you know just like high jumping on feet um so yeah that was uh, yeah, a yeah meter or so about three three and a bit feet That's how you, high you could jump from from flat ground
1: do you have a guinness work yeah. record for that or is that just for that contest
2: um, I mean, I probably could have applied for a Guinness World Record, but, I mean, it was just, it was in competition, and, yeah. like, since then, it had, it's it been beaten since then, like, I definitely don't hold it anymore, so, no. um, but, I mean, at the time, I would have been, like, the World Record holder, so I guess I could have applied for a, a Guinness Record, but, I don't know, I guess I didn't, as much as I grew up reading those Guinness <laughs> World Record yeah. books, and, like, you know, <laughs> uh, um, obsessing over all oh, my, yeah, it was so cool, but I didn't I when it came time to it I just didn't do it for myself. But um yeah, when I was a kid I used to love those Guinness World Record books. I would yeah. like you know, tell my parents, Did you know that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest, the longest fingernails or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I still remember that picture. <laughs> so wild. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So I saw like one video where you jumped up on like seven pallets. Yeah. That was
2: Yeah. That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, that was crazy, man. <laughs> So, and being is like, how was it? Was it easy to kind of, you know, walk away from that sport, being as as good at it as you was, and transition into mountain biking?
2: Well, I mean, for like, I think that one thing that I have kind of discovered about myself is that I really love competing. Right. And um, at the at that point in time in unicycling, um, I basically would win every competition that I entered. And I kind of like my a lot of my motivation to um, to practice was to get better, and I didn't have like the I guess the foresight to kind of keep pushing the sport once I was like kind of the best i was I was kind of um like I was like, where do I go from here?" so I um I didn't really it wasn't really hard for me to step away from it it was because it was kind of. Uh, I found mountain bike racing and I just got into that and just started unicycling less and less and um, I still rode for a number of years like I would go out and I'd go kind of through these bits and spurts of it where I'd ride like crazy or do something like that for a few months and then kind of ride a little less or whatever Um, but now I don't ride very much at all in the unicycle Uh, but I still have them and I still get on them every now and again, so I think that's something I need to... Maybe once the snow melts here and it gets a little nicer, I'll
1: kind you of was, dust the old I, off. <laughs> I was about to say, there's probably only a few times over the year where you can get, break it out and use it. <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever get, like, wicked, like, hurt or, like, you know, wreck real bad on it? I'm sure you did.
2: Uh, well, I mean, I would get hurt all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, think the, I think the worst thing was that I would... I kind of sprained my ankle once on motorcycle, and, and then it was like I would just sprain it all the time. Ooh. So that was a that was really kind of a bummer. <laughs> um I never I never and to this day I've never broken any bones. Oh wow. Um, which is great. So I never broke any bones unicycling. You know, um but uh definitely a lot of a lot of crashes, a lot of injuries. Um yeah
1: cool so um tell us about you know so you left that and then you went into mountain biking and you did pretty well in mountain biking competing too right
2: yeah yeah i kind of uh i raced um kind of on a national level in canada and a bit on the international level i raced uh about i think four or five world cup events so those are kind of like the highest highest level um of races in mountain biking um yeah and then uh I did that for a few years and kind of like just trained a lot and raced a lot and I really loved it and then I kind of came, it was kind of like a a sad moment where I kind of came to the conclusion that I I, I was like, you know what, I think I was like, you know, definitely top 10, maybe top 5 in Canada in terms of like mountain bikers but um, kind of came to the point where I was like, I I don't know if what I could do that would like make me number one. Um, and I think it was just a combination of there was really no money in the sport. There's no funding. There's, right. It's just the training you do is pretty pretty insane in terms of, like, the hours you put in. And, um, and I had just finished university, so I had, like, <laughs> not a penny to my name. Right. And trying to compete against uh, athletes that were, like, you know, full-time, fully funded uh, people. And I was like, well, I don't think it's – I kind of had to – make a decision, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen, um, with, like, what's going on right now, so I started, uh, to kind of phase out of that, and, um, kind of while I was doing that, one of my friends who actually, uh, puts on a lot of mountain bike races, he said, hey, Ryan, like, there's this obstacle racing event that I think you'd be, like, I think you'd be really good at it, because, like, you're strong, and you're fast, and you're fit, and stuff, and it was, like, just a local obstacle race, um, and I thought it sounded really cool. So I just, uh, I remember I would just, I would like do this circuit where I would run around this park on my like lunch break at, from work and I would kind of do hmm. these like four or 500 meter laps and every lap I would, you know, jump over a picnic table, like crawl a little bit and like do a pull up on a branch and I would like just sprint around for, you know, 50 minutes that lunch time. Like um,
1: parkour? <laughs>
2: Yeah, kind of like <laughs> like like track like track repeats, but with like a couple of little like obstacles thrown in on the way. And uh, um, that's how I trained for it. I was just like that seemed like the most logical way for me to train, and then that's what I did. And then uh, I won the race, oh, wow. which is pretty sweet. And um, that was my first race, and I just kind of, I guess, it kind of snowballed from there.
1: Hmm. Like, yeah. So Ryan, after like crushing, you know, these different sports, because you actually did like some skiing and stuff, and didn't you like in a buddy win a race or something like that?
2: Um yeah, done like I've done cross country skiing, uh, did done some ski mountaineering races now, um, all sorts of different events. So did a big fat bike race a couple years ago that I won. It's pretty cool.
1: So, after yeah. reading, I read I read most of this on your blog page, and so after reading all of this, it pretty much looks like that anything you put your mind to, you achieve it pretty well, and I'm wondering, is there anything that you suck at that you know of? <laughs>
2: I think that's a better question for my wife. <laughs> she has a list as long as her arm. But, um... suck
1: at doing chores around the house? <laughs> uh,
2: I mean... I think I'm pretty good, but I'm sure I'm sure there's room for improvement there right um yeah, I think that that's kind of just the way my mind works, like when I see something that I really want to improve at um or like be better at, then I just like really focus on it and you know make that my my goal and uh yeah,
1: so. So, you know, and it said you did, you know, you did team sports, too. What made you lean more to, like, the solo uh, extreme sports as opposed to, like, the team sports that you did?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I, I grew up doing a lot of team sports. Um, hockey, I played hockey for a number of years, uh, soccer and football and things like that. And
1: What positions did you play me, in football?
2: Uh, I played uh, I played line when I was younger and then linebacker when I was in uh, high school.
1: Were you a big kid in high school?
2: <laughs> not, no, not really, but I was just like, I was just really fast and strong, so I was uh, like, I could kind of get places, and um, I was like actually really small for a linebacker, but uh, yeah, I ended up playing middle linebacker because I was just, I don't know, super aggressive, and I would just kind of make the tackles, so it worked out (laughs)
1: did you did you sport one of those cool like what were they like the varsity jackets or whatever
2: uh i mean we had like no i never rocked a varsity jacket (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) there's too much other things going on but yeah i think with team sports i um i was on like a number of teams that just like didn't do that well and i would always i would always try like I always try really, really hard. Like such a competitive person that I just wanted to win no mm. matter what. And then there would be like people on the team that just didn't care. And I think that's at a certain yeah. at a certain point, it, it just became so frustrating to me that like how could how can I care so much about something and then the guy next to me just like you know doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And and then I was just like, yeah, you know what team team events kind of suck yeah. so I uh, screw you I guys I'm going that. to be
1: a world champion unicyclist
2: <laughs> yeah, screw you guys. <laughs> here. but it's actually funny because we've won I won the Spartan team world championship a couple years ago with the team Canada and um, won a few like team oCR I think like three or four team OCR events um, yeah and whatever I've done those they've been like so much fun so they been fun. with, you know they then with teams of guys who, who you know, everybody yeah. really cares and like everyone like turns themselves inside out to try to do well and that's that's pretty that's really cool with a team event it seems like you will push yourself further cuz it's like it's not just about yourself it's about the team and you're like oh i'll do it for my friend or oh, <laughs> so i'll just hurt <laughs> a little bit more because you know i know that my buddy over here is like is dying so um, yeah that's a pretty cool uh, feeling to race
1: in a team like that oh yeah i bet it was so ryan back to high school man what did what did ryan atkins get in trouble for at high school like what did what like what did you get did you ever like get expelled for like a day or something for fighting or anything like that um i was actually
2: a pretty good kid in high school oh, i was just so shit. i was so busy with sport, <laughs> sports and i was wanting uh,
1: a good story and the guy who,
2: <laughs> the guy who was the the uh head of of athletics at our high school he he like really loved me so i was kind of like and he kind of had more sway at the school than like the principal
0: yeah
2: like overall i think so and i was like 100 his good books so like anything that i did do he would just like he would just like show up and just like vouch for me and like (laughs) it was like i had carte blanche um (laughs) which was pretty sweet i mean i think one time i pulled the fire alarm cuz i thought that that would be like a fun thing to do.
1: Oh, and, wow. That is pretty <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Did they catch you?
2: And, well like it was like totally i was just like oh shit i'm going to be in huge trouble and then
1: um coach showed up and he was like oh like oh no, it's, it's just Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, it's just Ryan and like
2: <laughs> and, you know, everyone have just like walked away and we'll it was give fine. him a
1: pass. <laughs> I didn't see this Ryan.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but I was just, I mean, I would, I'd always played a sport after school, and then I would, like, be unicycling for, you know, hours every evening, and between that and (laughs) a little bit of time with friends, it was, yeah, I was was super busy. (laughs) I I don't think I had enough energy or time to really get in trouble.
1: Yeah. Unless it was pulling a fire alarm or something. Yeah, right. So, I work my, I work maintenance for, like, a hospital, and we got all these doctor's offices and stuff like that. So, like, in our pediatrics building, I guess it's just because it's just something we do now. Because, like, I guess over time, the kids will get away from their parents just long enough that they'll pull those things. So, you yeah, have, we put, like, this extra device on top of it, and it's like this plastic case. So, it's like... You have to lift this plastic case up first before you can pull it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just always thought that was funny. It's just you. It, the parents have that extra maybe five seconds to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't do that!" Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that, yeah. so it's it just. It doesn't, like,
2: doesn't stop the kid, but it gives like a little reaction time.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's I nice always far. thought it was kind of weird. So I also read <laughs> kid's like. like me. Your blog post on, you know, how you trained for, like, your first World's Toughest Mudder. And any, if anybody's planning on doing, you know, World's Toughest Mudder, this was a great read. I really enjoyed it. I've never done it. I did go this past year and do the little hot lap on Friday before the race, oh, and I cool. volunteered. Yeah, yeah. And that was very fun. But if, I tell you what, there was just a lot. I've run Spartan Ultras, and there was some good ultra training in your your blog that you did and you were running you you said like getting close to the event that you were running like 50k's on the on the weekends you know and i'm curious like if you were running 50k's on the weekends like what were you what were your extra workouts during the week with you know having all that volume on the weekends leading up to WTM
2: yeah i mean so i would kind of structure my workouts so that Every couple of weeks I would do a big effort on the weekend and you know, that could be anywhere from like 50k to you know 50 plus miles and um, during and so like if you're doing that on a Saturday, then I would obviously take the Friday before it off um, and probably tone down like Thursday's workout, but then otherwise Keep the rest of the week the same. So focusing on kind of like um, some speed uh, some like you know maybe some tempo runs on tuesday something like um you know 20 minute warm-up 45 minutes like at a good tempo pace and then like a 20 minute cool down you know maybe wednesday would be um like 45 minutes like moderate run like nothing too crazy and um and then yeah you're already into thursday where you're like you're planning a big run the weekend so you'd cut your regular Thursday which would be I mean Thursdays I like to do something hard so I would still do something hard but it would be you know maybe 60 or 70 percent of that right. so instead of running an hour and a half I might run for an hour so so, like so
1: what's the speed workout yeah. for you Ron
2: oh speed well speed for me is it's totally dependent on like the time of year and like the kind of event I'm planning for um, if I'm gonna be racing like a an event that's super hilly, then I'll instead of doing like speed on the flats, I'll just do like hill hill repeats. Or, right. Um, so I'll kind of transfer that into like what I'm specifically going to find myself encountering in a race. Um, but yeah, I like to do if I'm just if I'm if I'm racing something that's flatter and faster, then I like to kind of err on the side of like a bit longer speed. So maybe like you know eight hundred meter to 1200 meter kind of repeats um and doing four five six of those um and kind of varying their varying the pace and uh recoveries based on like um how I'm like progressing in the training period so maybe one week I would do you know four times uh 800 meters and then with like two minutes, like easy recovery. And then maybe the next week I would do the same, but I would, for my recovery, I might jog a little bit. And then the next week I would do, you know, maybe five times 800 meters or, and then I could do the same thing with the recoveries or I could um, kind of do, uh, yeah, just something like that. So that's like, as I kind of approach an event, I'll like progress my intervals and I'll kind of tailor them around the event so that they're kind of specific for that event and for what I'm going to encounter. And I think that, like, not only prepares me muscularly for the events, like the demands of the events, but I think the biggest thing is kind of giving yourself the confidence that when you're in the event, you know that you can, you know, I know I can run this pace because I do it in training all the time, or Uh I know I can run, you know, whatever six-minute miles on the flats all day because... You know, I run faster when I'm training, so then when you're in a race, you have that confidence to really be there and go there and uh, push. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how my speed work usually looks, I guess.
1: And and you don't do any of your, like, you don't do track work or you don't run on the street at all. You do all your work, like, on the trails and stuff, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the closest thing I do to track work would be running on a dirt road. Right. Um, I'll do if I'm like trying to run really, f- really f- fast intervals. Then I'll do them on like the dirt road. But I mean, they're usually kind of hilly and rolling a bit and stuff. Right. So hitting specific paces is a little, little trickier, a little tougher. But oh, yeah. I think it
1: it translates. I mean, when
2: you're, yeah, when you're in a race, like how often, how often have you run on a track in a Spartan race? Exactly. Like <laughs> it's great that. um yeah it's great people run on tracks and stuff but um i think for our sport that you need to be able to run like through the woods and through swamps and you know um and that comes down more to aerobic conditioning than to like pure running speed because if you're if you're
0: trudging your way through a swamp as fast as you can it doesn't matter how fast your you're you're running on a
1: track right yeah
2: yeah it's like you know it's like being in quicksand a lot of the stuff we have to run through, so it's it's actually more. Uh, I think a lot of the running ends up being more like uphill running, where it's slower and more like muscular or right. uh, or more similar to cycling. Like a lot of uh, when you're doing intervals on a bike, it's kind of um, it's very muscular, it's very physical, right. and it's kind of like plodding through that quicksand, which is um, more applicable to kind of Spartan racing than I think a lot of people would realize.
1: Yeah, I just recently, because, you know, down here in South Georgia, everything's just flat as a board, and my girlfriend, right. my girlfriend lives a little bit north of me, and I recently just found, like, a mountain biking course, just like a nature trail, oh, cool. too, Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's like five miles, and it's even rated, like, you know, a, a, a difficult uh, for the mountain bikes, and it, I'm so happy I found it, because it's five miles long, it's, Twists and turns, ups and downs, and just covered in, you know, a few creeks and rocks and roots. It's just super technical, and man, it translates so good. And I wish I would have found it like two years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. I love running on mountain bike trails.
1: Yeah, it doesn't get like overly grown, you know, and real snaky either. Mm-hmm. So, man, I'm so stoked about it. So uh, another question to go with all this volume, man, how do you stay injury free? Cause you're, you're just known for being, you know, the goat and doing all this volume. I mean, you don't ever get like, Oh, uh, you know, you're an hour into like a two hour run and you get just this little nagging pain going. I mean, do you just run through these pains and like, how do you deal with it once you're done? Um, yeah, it's,
2: I think that, like, as I kind of get older, that's something that uh, I need to um, definitely be cognizant of. But, I mean, both my wife and I, we both do a fair bit of kind of, uh, like, physio-type exercises. Um, So I'd say at least 50% of my strength work is just, uh, like, physio-based things. So lots of stability work, lots of kind of band exercises, um, and then... The other thing that I do is I'll do a lot of, uh, like, agility work. Basically, every run I go on, I'll do kind of uh, side shuffles and kind of karaoke's and all sorts of uh, lateral bounding. And um, I'll do that for, you know, maybe a kilometer. I'll just, like, start running backwards and start running sideways. I think that uh, running is such a straight forward and back up and down sport that I think a lot of our injuries come from just muscle imbalances and not training all those peripheral muscles. Right. So I really make sure to kind of stay on top of that. And I mean, it's not sexy and it's like, it's kind of boring and like, you look like an idiot running backwards through your neighborhood. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but I mean, I don't know. I think that's, that's worked pretty well for me. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's something that's like, it's not that hard to do. I think that for a lot of people, You have to find something that you can incorporate that you're going to actually do, and that's not, you know, that's not so hard or so over the top that you're going to neglect it, that you're, like, going to do it for a week, and then you're just going to forget about it. Yeah. So it's kind of a hard, it's a hard thing to to figure out, because um, if you go to a, a physiotherapist or you go online and you look at, you know, exercises for runners to do that'll, like, Help sore knees or help ankles or help, you know, whatever ails you, you're going to find videos that have, like, right. that'll, it would take you hours every day to get through all these exercises. And like, right. yeah, it would be great if you did them all, but no one has that time or that focus to sit in a room for, like, two hours every day with a band and kind of, <laughs> you know, move around. So, um, and then the other extreme is doing nothing. Well, that, that'd be great, but you're probably going to get injured. So you have to kind of find those exercises and find that routine that is, uh, I guess, sustainable and um, and not and like helps you, but isn't so over the top that you won't do it.
1: Do you do like static stretches, like when you finish like a run or something like that?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do like static and dynamic stretches um, after. Yeah, whenever, basically after every time I train, unless I'm, like, finishing at somewhere and have to go do something, um, I'll take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to kind of stretch and uh, do things like that. And then I also roll with, like, a, a foam roller or a ball, um, I'd say, like, five days a week. Yeah. I've got one of these little uh, balls that vibrate. Right. And they're, um, I just got it Amazon. It was, <laughs> like... Forty bucks, <laughs> not the one Woodsy gave me. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome, man. It's like, it's like you know how like you go on Amazon and you see these things and you're like, oh, that's probably shitty. But um, yeah, I think it was yeah. forty bucks, and I use the thing like every day. So uh, yeah, it's great. I definitely recommend that to yeah anybody who, and I like use it on my calves. It just helps helps kind of get in there and like you know work in any knots and um, stuff like that yeah I
1: know, you know i'm i'm really good about like if i go for a run you know i always take the time to stretch when i'm after the run but the the, the times that i usually don't when it's probably the most important and that's like right after you finish a race you know you're talking totally. to all your friends and it's like <laughs> you're like oh shit yeah. i forgot to stretch and it's an hour later yeah <laughs>
2: totally yeah I'm, I'm guilty of that too well there's so much going on in a race and like yeah it's uh it's really easy to get distracted that's for sure
1: yeah so, you know, you—I remember hearing about you running the Bruce Trail or whatever that you tried to do in like five days, and it was yeah, like almost two hundred and fifty miles or something like that.
2: Uh, it's like five, almost
1: six hundred miles. I oh, six hundred miles! Yeah, holy crap! Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool until uh, until it wasn't. <laughs>
1: 'Cause you actually yeah, did so, get kind of a serious injury there too, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so when I was doing that I um so I think the record was like ten days for that trail. It's about nine hundred kilometers, which yeah, it would be about five hundred and sixty five or five hundred and seventy miles.
1: Wow. Um, I, I don't know much about, you know, Canadian geography, so that's where my distance was off
2: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no no problem um yeah it's a pretty cool trail it's like uh i think it's one of canada's like oldest kind of um recreational footpaths and it runs right right kind of through toronto which is like you know the biggest metropolitan
1: that kind of like y'all's Canada. appalachian trail or
2: <laughs> yeah it's kind of like an appalachian trail for us um
1: with more snow
2: <laughs> it's more snow yeah so i thought i was like like oh man I would, it's one of the trails that I used to train on every day, so I thought it would be really cool to run the whole thing. And uh, but because of my racing, like everyone who's ever done it, who's ever run it, has run it in the fall. Because in the fall, it's it's dry. It's um, you know, there's no uh, there's no bugs. It's I mean, mostly it's dry. That's the big thing. <laughs> mm. The temperature is nice. Things like that. But because in the fall, I'm I have like a crazy yeah. race schedule. Um, so I was like, well. I'll, I have to do it in the spring because that's like the only time that I have available. Uh, so I think I did it in March or April, something like that. April, late April, maybe. And um, and things are going pretty well, but it was just insanely wet, and all the snow was melting around. Wow, yeah. So like the trails were just completely saturated, and you know there'd be sections of trails that in the summer would be totally should be totally dry trail and it would be like knee-deep water for a mile and I'd be like trudging Holy through this water Fert. so it was it was definitely not ideal and um, I guess somewhere along the line I got a cut and I got um, some something got into my into my blood into my system and I had this gnarly uh, blood infection um, in my leg which I thought it was like I thought it was Tendinitis. At first, I thought it was like, oh, I was like, oh, I've got, I must have tendinitis. Like, it really hurts. I bet but that was you scary. Know, I'll be okay. So I just like, I was like, well, I'm running 900 kilometers. Like, it was going to start hurting at some point. And I was like, <laughs> you know, day four is just, it's just a little earlier than I thought I was hoping. Um, but whatever. So I would just like, ice it at night and like take some um, anti inflammatories and get up the next day and run. And then. I think it was on the fifth day, I was just running along through a field and the pain went from like maybe a, a, like, I don't know, maybe a a steady six out of 10 to like, all of a sudden it was like a switch went off and it was like a nine or 10 out of 10 and I just like, I just dropped (laughs) into the grass and I was like, oh shoot, maybe it's not good. So I called, uh, I called someone and I was like, got them to meet me at the next place to trail across the road, which was about maybe a mile Oh. Um, away, luckily, not Great
1: too far. Great timing. Only a mile. That was good. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I, like, I, like, hobble. I, like, like, literally just jumped on my other leg because I, like, I couldn't put my foot on the ground. It was so painful. I just, like, kind of jumped and hopped along till uh, I got to the next road crossing. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I need to go to, like, a maybe a physiotherapist or someone and, like, Shh. and talk to him about this, like, tendonitis. So we went to this girl <laughs> and she's like, I think you need to go to the doctor doctor they're like to the hospital and i was like oh okay so i went to the hospital and they did x-rays and stuff and they're like well it's not broken um but you have like a a, what we think it's like an infection so they like you know to pull blood and did like some blood work and stuff And they're like yeah so then i was on iv um Mm -hmm. i was on iv for i think 10 days oh wow yeah
1: did you have to stay in the hospital for 10 days or
2: no, I stayed in the hospital for a day, and then I was just, I was on IVs. Uh, I would come every day oh. and just be there for, like, a couple hours um, and then leave. Um, so, yeah. That was and then pretty I was serious. On like, yeah, oral antibiotics for, like, two weeks after that. Oh wow! <laughs> it's crazy did how much I was, like, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, did <laughs> you come
1: close to, like, the infection getting bad, and they'd have to, like, cut something if you would have just kept pushing on it?
2: Yeah, maybe. If I had probably kept, well... I don't know, but it was so painful, like, I, I had to stop, but right. I'm sure if I had kept going another couple of days, or if I hadn't gone to a hospital, if I would just been like, oh, I'll just sit it out, <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, it could have been pretty bad. Man. So, yeah, That's not scary. the best.
1: <laughs> Infections can get bad really fast.
2: Yeah, yeah, mm. it was scary.
1: Mm-hmm so i bet you saw just some of the coolest sights while you were doing that too and being all by yourself man it just had to be like peace on earth at some of those nights you know
2: yeah honestly it was like it was one of the coolest things i've done it was, <laughs> and like the north so i started from the north and headed south in the northern section especially that time of year when it's kind of transition season because the weather's not that great it's like super quiet like there's I would see I would go I would run for 14 hours and I wouldn't see a person.
1: Wow. Um
2: so it was like this crazy immersive like almost spiritual experience being out there. Um and yeah, it was it was really special.
1: And what was that was really close to like one championships, wasn't it? What what championships was that close to?
2: Um
1: I, I forget was it Spartans? I don't know. Was it Tahoe?
2: I don't know. No, I mean I did it in the spring so it wouldn't have been like anything spartan did but uh, maybe
1: it was national championships yeah it would
2: have been right before like probably the national championship series started
1: because yeah. i remember hearing yeah. something about it when they did the broadcast or something
2: yeah <laughs> like, what is what is ryan done now like, yeah. always doing something
1: <laughs> yeah so i forget you did some big adventure race in like fiji or something like that with Rhea. Ray
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah, ran <laughs> uh, myself and two other guys from Canada. We did uh Eco Challenge.
1: Yeah, Eco Challenge.
2: EG this year. Has it? Yeah, man, that was that was awesome.
1: <laughs> have they have they showed that on TV yet? No. Okay. So that uh, I so think we are going to hear it. sometime in
2: February. Okay, so cool. I can't I can't say how we did right or anything cuz we were sworn to secrecy. Right. Um <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that was that was another thing that was just I mean, any time when you're like when you're getting up with the sun and like running until the sun goes down and then like doing that for day after day. Anytime you do that, it's like, it seems to just be such a wild experience. Like I feel like your body goes through these, uh, phases and, um, and things that, yeah, I've never really experienced anywhere else. So yeah, big multi-day runs or adventure racing. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: What was like the coolest thing about that race and being down there? I bet it was kind of like hard to get used to that weather. Wasn't it like really hot there and humid?
2: Super humid. Yeah, it was like. Uh, I mean they're they're pretty they're pretty close to the equator, so it's pretty um, it, it's pretty consistent the temperature. Like, I don't think it gets like crazy, crazy hot or crazy, crazy cold. Obviously, right. um, It's just like consistently warm. But yeah, really humid uh, all the time. But it, the craziest thing about Fiji was just the people, the people were just so nice. They were like the nicest human beings I've ever had the, you know, pleasure of meeting and everyone just wanted you to bring you into their homes and wanted to offer you food and wanted to like get to know you and talk to you and like we're trying to race. <laughs> <And we're> like, <laughs> like, like thank you, like we have to go or whatever. But um, at one point the course, there was flash flooding in the canyon, and they had to do a total shutdown of the course. Oh wow! So we got to go into um, someone's uh, into this little village, and we s- stayed for like from like nine a.m. or sorry nine p.m. to like about six a.m. five a.m. in this uh, little hut in the village. So we got to a kind of experience um, this really remote uh, village lifestyle, and um, just how like they they were like they gave us. They found sweatpants and sweatshirts from like different people in the village and they like, because we didn't have any dry clothes, obviously we had just been racing and we had been on a river and so they like clothed us and fed us and like they were just so welcoming and so such a warm um such a warm people there. Uh it was really cool. Was it, it kind of good? like restored restored my faith in humanity. <laughs> like Wow, well, you know, there are like really awesome people out there still, so
1: so, cool. so you thought humans sucked going into that race? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe not suck. That's a pretty strong word, but uh, there's a lot of uh,
1: there was still beauty of, in human culture, and
2: yeah, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of things that happen in the world that kind of, and I mean, maybe that's just what news is. It just kind of portrays all the bad stuff because doesn't what, it make, makes news? But um, yeah, it's it cool to experience, you know, some good as well.
1: I blame social media.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> so the past the past two years, you've won the Spartan Ultra World Championships. And one year it was in Sweden, and one year it was in Iceland. Which one yeah. of those races did you enjoy the most? Or which one did you like better for the terrain and the area? Um, that's a
2: great question. They were both
1: like snowy. Yeah, <laughs> snowy, uh, and cold.
2: Sweden is definitely snowier and um like the temperature was said colder. But Iceland is so windy, just windy all the time that it like it, Iceland almost felt colder, even though it was like you know, maybe like mid to upper twenties. Yeah. Um it just felt colder. Oh, yeah. It was like this this like Awful soul sucking wind in Iceland that just made it like brutal. So, um, I think I'd have to give the nod to Sweden. Sweden was a really cool venue. It was like right at this like massive hotel, um, yeah. where everyone got to everyone stayed there and then like the race started there and finished there and like everything that went on. They had like sauna world, so you could like go to sauna world and like sit in the saunas. And
0: oh, sweet. um,
2: it was just a really cool setup. It was uh, it was like you're on. Um, summer vacation with like 400 of your closest right. friends, and everyone was there to do a partner race. So um, that was really awesome, and I guess that was you know a big part of what made the Sweden venue so cool.
1: It looked like y'all had a lot of fun there.
2: Yeah, yeah it was... I'd highly highly recommend that race to anyone who's like thinking of doing it. It was, uh, I mean, it's such a cool area and um, cool venue, great course like, really hard. <laughs> so, if that's what you're after, then it's a good place to go.
1: What advice would you give to anybody that wanted to do that race, Ryan? Right?
2: Wanted to do that race? Well, so, that race was really hilly. Like, we were climbing about 2,000 feet um, of vertical every uh, every lap, every five-mile lap, and, like, steep steep climbs, kind of like power hiking. So, if you are doing that race in spe- like specifically, I would say, they like, practice power hiking a lot because that's what it came down to, a lot of power hiking and then running the downhill. <laughs> so right. um, kind of training those two aspects. And then I think for anyone doing who's doing, like, a long ultra-endurance um, race like that, it comes down to kind of nutrition and gear. Um, like, obviously, you have to train your body as best as you can. And to me, that's like training what you're going to encounter. So again, like hills, downhills, the obstacles, make sure you can do everything, make sure when you do it, it's not going to take so much out of you that it's going to fry you because you have to keep doing it for 24 hours. Right. But then once you have those things figured out, it's like, can you take in enough calories for 24 hours? Because you need to be taking in at least 400 calories per hour. So finding finding a fuel that you can take in, that's not going to upset, upset your stomach and that you're going to keep wanting to eat over 24 hours and a way of carrying it on course and a way of, you know, kind of dealing with it. Um, that's like a super important step that I think a lot of people negate because they just focus so much on the training that they – and most of their training isn't, you know, more than four or five hours long. And for four or five hours, you can get away with yes, kind of going going into slight depletion. Yeah. But um, over 24 hours, if you ever start getting depleted – it's kind of I won't say game over but almost because as soon as you get behind it's so hard to catch back up um, so you've got to just constantly be eating and um, and a lot of people have a lot of GI issues when they're eating that much so yeah. figuring that out really Hitting important and, and for stuff. Sweden yeah for Sweden figuring out your gels um, or sorry your clothes Uh, Your gear and your clothes, your footwear, all those things are really important. Finding something that will work for you, that works for you in training, that will work for you um, in those types of weather, those types of temperatures, um, things like that. That's really uh, key. So, yeah, those are like, (laughs) I guess (laughs) that's kind of it in a nutshell um, to me. And everyone's a little different. Uh, There's like kind of some truisms like, think merino wool base layers are like pretty universally agreed upon as like the best thing to wear against your skin so like that was pretty easy but there's a lot of things like some people might run warmer than others or colder than others or um so a jacket that works for me might not work for someone else or vice versa so like just figuring out what works for you specifically so important
1: So what was your like? What you you said you were doing four hundred calories an hour? What is what is Ryan Atkins doing to get four hundred calories every hour? You eat Um, junk food or?
0: (laughs)
2: uh, (laughs) I was doing a lot of liquid calories. Maple syrup. Um, I was doing maple syrup gels, like one or two maple syrup gels uh, per lap. So laps are taking somewhere from an hour, like about an hour. (laughs) 10 to an hour 25 was about the range um, for laps. Uh, and so every lap I was doing one or two maple syrup gels. Um, I was doing some, uh, there's a company called Morton that makes like uh, a, a gel, it's like a hydrogel, So like you mix it with water, but it like, it kind of be- becomes, um, I don't know, like slightly, uh gelatinous (laughs) i guess would be the best word and it's it's like just it's like yeah a little thicker it's like a sugary kind of drink water so that would be like 300 calories um for just for one of those um and then on top of that kind of stuff i would try to like have like maybe a little chocolate bar like maybe you know the little halloween sized ones like one or two of those um yeah, fun-sized, exactly. So get, get a couple of those in you just because, like, um, it, you know, it's easy to crave them. And then I would also take, uh, like, half a peanut butter jelly sandwich with me out on course and kind of munch that at some point, like, maybe during the climb. So that was, like, basically every lap. Um, so, yeah, that was probably around 600 calories. And so that's over, like, an hour, 15, maybe, which puts me at like maybe just over 450 calories per hour and every time i came through the pit i would try to eat something in the pit like right. i would only be in the pit for a couple minutes but i would try to get something in me whether it was uh just a bite of pizza or like uh, a couple m&ms or a drink of aid or whatever um i would just get something because you're like you're there. You're standing, so you might as well be chewing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then just get and then just get back on course. So like, yeah, that's kind of what worked for me. Um, in the past, I've done rice. White rice really works well for me. I would kind of take white rice and blend it uh, with a little bit of coconut milk um, and uh, a little bit of like almond butter and some salt and maple syrup, and I would like kind of make this like slurry of a blended rice mixture and that was really good for me that um easy easy to digest. it's like kind of liquid but kind of solid um but the problem with that is it like it doesn't it really doesn't travel well
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I one be. year
2: I, one year i pre-made a bunch of that stuff and like <laughs> and flew to a race and it was only it had only been out for like maybe twenty four hours but it had, like all of it went off and it like <laughs> got really gross.
0: Oh, my so I had to bad. like
2: throw out a ton of it. And um yeah, I remember like I like it was like my second lap. I go to like take a big spig of this and I'm like,
0: Oh what? god, like
2: it's it's rotten. <laughs> Not good. So uh so yeah, that that's a good like a good recipe, but there's like no, no preservatives in there and it's like yeah. a lot of um <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, the perfect the perfect storm for, like, uh, bacteria to breed, I guess.
1: So like, you whey protein when like, like, it's sat out too much mixed already?
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, find a way to make that, like, you know, within 12 hours of your race starting. Oh, wow. But, yeah. So... Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be too crazy, but, yeah, so, whatever works.
1: So, I I know you... So, if you were to plan to do either one of those races, Iceland or Sweden, and that was like your A race the whole year, you didn't race anything else, and you planned on doing nothing but that race at the end of the year. Do you think you could have got 100 miles at either one of those races? No.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean. Um, I mean, like, I think that if I... If the goal had been 90 miles in Sweden... I think I could have like just based on my preparation, for like I was pretty prepared for this year. Um, but if they had said ninety miles, million dollars, I think I would have done it. Right. I could have and would have would have done it. Like I had, I ran eighty miles there, but I kind of sandbagged the last couple laps and sure, um, why not? You know? And then I finished. I finished like an hour, an hour forty early or something. So there's there's at least there's a lap there, and I could have pushed a little harder in the last three laps. So I think I could have done 90 miles. It would have come down to the wire, but um, like that's there's a big difference between 90 miles and 100 miles. Like that's huge.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like
2: even if I did, yeah, if I had a perfect perfect day and had only trained for that and literally everything had gone right. um, Yeah, and and then they they had that punch card system too. Yeah, but not 100.
1: And then they had that punch card system, too, so when you did complete an obstacle, you had to walk over there and get them to punch your card. That just seems like that's one more thing that takes time. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: Yeah, totally. Like, there's probably, you know, five or ten minutes wasted over the course of the race. Yeah. Right there, just because of the stupid punch card. And, like, that's that's (laughs) their doing, not ours.
1: (laughs) That's right. But... Did you, I oh, mean was there ever times where like they were fumbling with the punch card and you were like come on
2: always man always
1: <laughs> always yeah.
2: all the time yeah
1: <laughs> they probably had their hands like in their pockets or had gloves yeah. on
2: and- yeah or like they have the they have the little punches and they like, they can't get them to go so they're like squeezing really hard at first they had uh the punch cards they gave us were like this plastic that was like it was like pretty thick it was like maybe uh like one sixteenth, like it had some thickness to it, and they were trying to punch these things, and their punches wouldn't go through them.
1: Oh wow! So like the
2: first, the very first obstacle, they tried to punch my card. Like the the girl literally couldn't do it, and I stood there for like maybe a minute. Oh my like, gosh! No. Like I, and I was like, what? Like I was like, this is the stupidest thing. And meanwhile, like it's like the heat of the race. Like we're like two miles into the race, <laughs> and like everyone's passing me no one can punch my card and then the next lap they're like oh yeah so now we switched to tyvek because we were having problems with the plastic and i was like did no one test this before the race like like this seems like like i don't know like if if it was up to me to come up with a system like i would go out and test it and test it in the temperatures that you expect and test it with all the punches and like make sure it was gonna work uh anyways but
1: spartans didn't have time to test shit back in the day ryan (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We just battled. We just went to battle. (laughs) (laughs) Just show up and battle. That's
1: all that matters. Yeah. Oh, so, all right, Ryan, I've got a, a, this is a question that I like to ask people that, that have done, you know, Spartan ultras in the past. And, you know, this is a little different. Um, but so, you know, a regular ultra, you know, you do the two laps, you come into transition Like, what is your plan on doing just like a regular ultra? Like, you know, coming into transition, what does Ryan have in his, you know, in his transition box or bucket or whatever you're using?
2: Um, yeah, so I did the Spartan in New Jersey this summer, and when I came, I guess it was spring, it was like April. Yeah. When I came through the transition, I basically had, like, I had a change of shoes, change of socks some, like, um, skin lubricant stuff, and I had a vest full of, like, another flask of water and, like, filled up with nutrition, basically. Right. Um, and my thought was that, like, if my feet were hurting or I was getting blisters or whatever, I could change my shoes. But when I rolled in, I really didn't have any... Like, my feet felt fine. Right. Everything felt fine. So I didn't, I didn't need to use anything. I just... Grabbed my new vest, took my old vest off, and just kept going. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty simple. Right. <laughs> just basically grabbing food and go.
1: Right. I just always like seeing what different people have in their buckets and what their strategies are when they do a regular ultra So, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, my strategy was, like, um, I don't know. I'm always I'm a big fan of, like, not wasting time in the right. pit. Because, like, any time that you're in there, you could be out on the course, like, at least moving forward. Yeah. Um... So, I just tried to grab as like I tried to think ahead like what am I gonna need i'm gonna need like I need more water and I'm gonna need you know I think I had a sandwich in my in my vest and I had um i just kind kind of tried to anticipate all the things that I would want and need, and then I had a few backup items like an extra jacket and an extra. You know, I can set extra shoes and socks and yeah. skincare and some tape and stuff. And yeah, just stuff for like
1: an emergency, yeah.
2: In case of, yeah, in case kind of things. But um, I think once I started, once I got my stuff and started hiking up the hill, I kind of took my vest off and got it in front of me and just started like, you know, eating a bunch and drinking a bunch and stuff. Um, but while I was hiking, because right. it's like, you know, I might as well hike for a minute while I eat instead of like sitting down and. In the pit and eating because like that's like a minute of free progress like you probably made it 100 meters up the hill in that time or something so right yeah
1: <clears throat> what advice would you give to somebody who's attempting to do like say like their first ultra at say maybe killington or new jersey or tahoe you know one of the difficult ones
2: um I guess I would, first of all, assume that that person had done a Spartan race before so they're like oh, yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. with uh, what what they're kind of getting themselves into um, and then I'd kind of like, I'd say that person should take a good look at, you know what they think their strengths and weaknesses are um, you know, maybe they're really good on obstacles but they're uh, really bad at going uphill or something and um, I like to kind of see where where my uh and i mean so this is like for the person to get the best time possible whether that's they want to race um for the podium or whether that's they want to race for the cutoff or uh somewhere between um i guess this is where that this advice would be applicable so yeah i would just say like where could where is your time spent that's going to have the biggest return on investment so if a person really is terrible at going up hills then but good at obstacles then they should probably cut their obstacle training way down and get their tittle training way up. Or, you know, vice versa, if a person is like maybe a really small person and they're um really great at going up hills but they keep failing obstacles and they can't do the you know, sandbag carries, save their lives, things like that, and then right. they should probably cut down their hill training and cut down their run volume a bit and really focus on making sure their obstacle game is on point so they're not doing any burpees out there. Um, so, yeah, it's like a pretty, uh, I think it's pretty, like, person-specific question, but having, and that's where, like, doing a beast or doing another Spartan race so you have that fresh in your mind, like, what do I suck at or what yeah. am I good at? Um, and, kind of going from there and making a plan and sticking to it and uh and yeah kind of systematically figuring out where your biggest gains can be made and then just showing up and racing
1: right. having fun <laughs> right so i think
2: that like a lot of people you know they they start they, they do a it spartan, it's so fun and it's so great and they get involved in community and then they like they say oh i want to finish a ultra beast or they come up with a goal yeah. and then they start training for that goal. And, and um, I think a lot of people in that process, somewhere along the way, it becomes like a stressor. It's like, Oh, I really want to do, I really want to run my ultra beast in eight hours or so, or something or nine hours. And then that becomes their goal. And like goals are great, but at a certain, at a certain point, it's really important to like, remember I got into this because it was fun, it's something I wanted to do. Right. So if, if that goal becomes, like, a stressor to that person, um, I'd say, yeah, the biggest advice is just to, like, have fun. Have fun in your training, have fun in your preparation, have fun in, you know, in what you're doing. Because uh, if you're in a negative mindset or you're, like, stressed out before the race, then that's going to have, you know,
1: a negative such a, effect, yeah. a
2: negative yeah, impact on on your race, on your day, on your performance, on your outlook, on how you remember the event. on like, so much. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, just have a good time out there.
1: Right. So, you know, with all of this new, uh, you know, the Spartan deck of fit and this high rocks and, like, stadiums, does, does any of that, like, any of that appeal to you? Or is that just, are you just a trail running guy?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it appeals to me somewhat. Uh, right now I don't just, there's still a lot for me to do in like normal Spartan racing. And there's a lot of, I think that's where the majority of the competition is. That's where, um, that's where everyone wants to be. So until that like maybe changes or until if I went and won every single Spartan race for the next two years that I (laughs) I entered, then, (laughs) then maybe I'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna do high rocks or Decafit or stadiums or whatever. Now, um, but like right now, uh, I think there's there's still work for me to do and still improvements to be had and still events to go to and fun things to do. So I'll probably um,
1: yeah, they might have a dick vector on one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So um. <laughs> So, how are you feeling right now with everything that's going on with Tough Mudder? And, um, of course, nobody wants to see the company, you know, go under. But, I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, Spartan's got their hand into everything. And they're doing all this stuff right now with DecaFit and, you know, the trail series that they're doing. And, you know, they're always expanding just the normal races in general. I think it's good for both of the brands to exist. I just hope that if Spartan decides to uh, purchase Tough Mudder, I I guess I'm a little worried that, you know, I don't want to see both brands suffer. You know what I'm saying?
2: Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that if if the only way for Tough Mudder to survive is through um, like Spartan acquisition or bailout or however it's termed yeah. um then like i mean I'm, I'm all for it i think ultimately it would be better if they stayed separate companies but uh i, think I would so rather <laughs> i'd rather see tough Mutter survive if that means a spartan merger and from what i understand if that does happen um like tough mother as we know it is going to stay like you know as yeah. we know it it's going to be the same employees the same um same everything so uh from like a product standpoint i don't think it'd be that different but um yeah i mean it's
1: there's so on
2: one hand it's like it's a little it's a little scary to see like tough 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 mother um you know going under uh filing bankruptcy things like that but i mean at the same time that's business and Spartan seems to be doing fine. They keep expanding and keep buying things and doing yeah. more and more. So, um, it's I, hard to like, hard to say that, like, it's the whole industry. I guess so, I, I just so, think that, yeah.
1: you know, instead of, you know, Spartan expanding into this deck of fit and like the trail series, I think I would have just rather them focused on their main product and trying to just make it you know, a better oiled machine with, you know, maybe like the refereeing and everything like that, you know, that would be...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally, uh, and I mean, I think, I think those are things, I think for Spartan, those, those things are kind of like moving targets, like, they know that there's issues, um, with things, like you said, refereeing or, um, you know, other aspects of the race, but like, those things take. It's not like they can just say, "Oh, we'll just do this one thing and it'll be fixed." It's uh, if they if it was that simple, they would have done it. So by you know acquiring different um, events or diversifying uh, things like that, I think they're basically just trying to kind of cover themselves from you know from bankruptcy or from um, stagnation really yeah. by like by having like a diverse product line they can say like oh well spartan's down three percent this year but trail is up 10 percent." so that's, that's overall, true. like we're doing great or um things like that which you know i, I understand that logic and um
1: i mean and who knows the, right, the trail right. might have brought them a lot more business this past year you know
2: yeah yeah and i think by like, Having Spartan name out in the trail community with trail runners or um, in different sports, it gets people from those sports saying, "Oh, maybe, maybe I want yeah. to do a Spartan race, or that sounds kind of interesting." And um, and,
1: and they that must be and yeah, they yeah, must be a, just
2: that's a good thing to me.
1: Yeah, and they must <laughs> just be killing it in merchandise. Because remember, like a few years ago, when all they had was just like you know, what they had in the trucks behind them. It would be just, you know, a right. few extra shirts. And now they've just got a whole tent full of merchandise. Man. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's yeah, insane. The tent's like massive. Remember at like, at Tahoe, like it was like the size of a, I don't know, almost the size of a football field in there. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's <was> huge.
1: <laughs> cuz like of stuff. You know, we ran this ultra in North Carolina, you know, and it was, I mean, it's it's a popular ultra because it's pretty much the only one here in the southeast. But they actually made a hoodie just for this one event, and I thought, man, that's that's kind of odd to make a hoodie for yeah. one venue. I mean, and it was venue specific hoodie. I just thought mm-hmm. that was it's like, man, I wonder if they're gonna sell a lot of those, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Just kind of looked like they, they were. Do. It's, it was risky merch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Ryan, I know we're getting long in this, but I've, 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 just got a lot, I've just got a few questions that I usually always ask everybody.
0: All right, yeah, go for
1: it. So, um, bear with me. So, after all of the races that you've done and different adventures you've done, is there anything that you haven't done yet that you're kind of maybe got your eye on to do in the future?
2: Oh, um, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that's a hard thing.
1: Uh, Barclay, I want to do maybe? some more
2: like I want to do more like I want to I get into doing some like expeditions and you know big uh, big kind of I, I have this like real draw to do like a arctic ex- or an antarctic expedition or something like that I think that would be really cool
1: mm, that sounds and, really um,
2: cold <laughs> definitely cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, in terms of events I mean there's there's so many great events out there. I really enjoy the like the sky running trail races. So I think trying to do a few more of those this year, maybe get back to Europe and do you know one or two over there, um, be really cool. And uh, and yeah, but kind of see what inspires me as I as I go along. <laughs> there's just there's so many cool things to do, um, and like only so much kind of time and energy that you can do it. That it's really. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard yeah. to pick and choose. But yeah. especially
1: when you're good at everything. <laughs>
2: yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help, I guess. <laughs> so
1: to this point, out of all the races that you've done or adventures that you've done, what has been your most favorite and why?
2: Most favorite. I think uh I think Eco Challenge is probably my most favorite. Um the one I just yeah, the race I just did in uh I guess it was September um, that we did it that was just it was just such a cool experience lots of different you know you're biking and trekking and paddling and doing all sorts of different events and um, just going through like a totally new landscape so that was really yeah really awesome
1: okay so out of all the races that you've done, what is the race that you hated the most or, you know, and, and why? Hated the most? Oh. Or was the worst or, you know, or dislike, you know, for better words.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had a pretty, like, not great experience in Greece this year, in Sparta. And I think that was, like, I was just really frustrated, I guess.
1: Spears not I, uh, sticking?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was... I came into that race, like I had, I had to do the race. Um, I really wanted to focus on ice on, uh, sorry, on Sweden, but like we had to do Sparta. So there I was, um, like, you know, six days before <laughs> trying to run for 24 hours doing the race. So there was that, but then they had like, for whatever reason, my spear just kept falling out and I had, I was actually having pretty good races on every day. And, uh, and, yeah, my just spear kept falling out. And on top of that, we did, like, a, a film shoot the day before, and I threw my back out, Oh no. like, the day before the race on Saturday. So on Friday, I, like, threw my back out. So I was pretty um, in a lot of pain. I couldn't really run properly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of things. It's not really, other than the spears falling out, not really Spartan's fault, I guess, just kind of my own fault. And... It was cool to be in Sparta in Greece and racing there, um, but yeah, I just didn't didn't have a didn't have the greatest races myself. <laughs> but yeah, that's on me.
1: I think I heard an interview, and I, I think it might have been with Aaron Newell, and he said that like when when he come up to the spear throw, you were in the burpee pit, and you were telling him to go to the first spear, and then later yeah. on you told him it had a short rope or something
2: like that. <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, so convinced that it, the rope was short, and I was like, well, if Aaron throws it and the rope's short for him too, then like maybe they'll like reverse our reverse like a minute and a half or something. Oh. And I think what happened is like, so yeah, he picked it up and said like, oh no, the rope is short. Somewhere <laughs> <else."> um, <laughs> which good for him for doing that.
1: So but, you yeah, were... it was. uh... So you were trying to crazy. use strategy to your advantage and screw a contender at the same time? <laughs>
2: I guess so. I mean, I wasn't really trying to screw Aaron. I was trying to like <laughs> I was just so I was so like perplexed in that moment. I was like, why why would the rope be short? And um I think what happened is like if you if you took the spear and put it in the hay bale, like it would reach, but like with, like, maybe an inch of extra rope. So, like, as my spear kind of flew through the air, um, the tail was, like, down a little bit. Right. And so it, like, the the rope, like, started pulling on it, and then it just, like, lost all its momentum and just kind of flopped down. But,
0: Isn't yeah, that just kept hap-
2: things like that kept happening to me all weekend long, so, yeah.
1: That's frustrating, I'm sure.
2: They just get, get rid of the spear.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well shoot, man, you gotta think, in a sprint, I mean, that's pretty much unless the weather's just awful, in a sprint now the the spear's the only thing to fail really.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, in the sprint in Sparta I was leading and then <laughs> I think someone someone overpassed me coming into the spear, so I was in like second by like a few seconds. And I missed my spear and I finished like eighth or something, so that can like that shows you just how much of an effect
1: it has. Hey, that's still pretty good though for missing the spear and coming back and still getting an eighth. That means something. Yeah. Yeah. I means as yeah. fast as y'all guys are, <laughs> man, it's hard to come back from an obstacle in a sprint when everybody else is, you know, a hundred percent and you fail something. there's, yeah, there's just just There's no time to make up. Away from you. Yeah. <laughs> Faces in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there's no time to make it up, especially now that they're going to shorten it to a 5K too. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. totally. All right, Ryan. What's your favorite kind of music? Um. Ooh,
2: favorite kind of music.
1: Do they have country music in Canada?
2: I, they do have country music in Canada. That's um, right. I actually like folk folk music a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: What's your favorite band? Um. I like
2: uh like. Gordon Lightfoot, he's probably my favorite like folk artist. Yeah. He's Canadian.
1: So my middle name is Fane, F A Y N E. Fane. Yeah. Okay. So cool. I'm pretty sure just one day random I was looking it up and I want to say there's a Canadian death metal band and the name of their band is Fane. Really? Yeah. I think so. Huh. I don't I don't think they're together anymore. It was short-lived.
2: I'll have to check them out.
1: <laughs> it was probably it was probably the name. I'm pretty sure they were from Canada.
2: I feel like death metal for, like, uh, really intense workouts could be good.
1: I think so, too. You you should check out, like, Old Suicide Silence. It's the bomb. All right. It's awesome. So, what's your favorite curse word? Curse word? Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, Am I allowed to say it? Is this an R-rated podcast?
1: Yeah. Come on.
2: (laughs) Um, Favorite curse word? Maybe, uh, I'd say Bitch.
1: Really? Bitch. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Favorite fantasy movie and sci-fi movie. They're different. Oh, fantasy, um...
2: My, my wife my wife is over here saying Harry Potter. Oh, my God.
1: Uh, <laughs> Tell her to leave a room.
2: She <laughs> <I> loves those <laughs> movies. Um... Fantasy. it's
1: because she's young know.
2: yeah uh but sci- i actually oh what was that movie um a sci-fi movie came out not too long ago with uh was it where they go into like different dimensions i really liked that movie uh i forget now yeah, I mean, I love I love sci-fi. Anything, love all the Star Wars movies and. Um,
1: Star Wars or Star Trek.
2: Uh, Star Wars. Fuck yeah. I was never I was never really into Star Trek. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like goofy.
1: All right, but, Ryan. Yeah. So I'm done with this interview, cool. but I've See? got a, I've got a bone to pick with you. Uh oh. So it was a couple of years ago and i know like it was during like i think the the canada thanksgiving i don't know when that is okay i was i was unaware it was canadian thanksgiving i'll admit so and you posted a picture of these two awesome pies that were at your thanksgiving and i i commented on your i guess it was instagram story and i commented on it and then you, you let me know it was Canadian Thanksgiving. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to bother you, but I sure would like to get the recipe to that maple pie because it looked really oh, good. Yeah. And yeah. I never heard from you again. So um, I never answered. Yeah. Oh, you know, sorry about Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Surprise. No. So like I'm here today and I'm I've I've what the what what the fuck. <laughs> all right
2: i'll uh well i'll send that over sorry about that i mean but are you uh, messages i mean is th- is that how you messages.
1: is that how you treat your fans ryan <laughs> <laughs>
2: i try not to i'm just
1: man i'm just messing with you do. <laughs> but really i want uh, that maple, recipe maple pie
2: really yeah. good i'll send you that recipe
1: i mean I'm pr- right. pr- it's probably some easy recipe but i didn't google it that one that one in the picture you sent it just looked super good
2: mm, yeah So, maple pie is actually, like, it's really big. So, we just moved to Quebec, and um, maple pie is, like, a total Quebec thing. Right. So, uh, it's like, this is where maple pie was born. So, uh, yeah, I'm in the the right place now. I'll I'll have to find a good recipe and send it over.
1: So, down here in the south... You know, it's like an old-fashioned, you know, cane syrup is a big deal down here. They put it on, like, biscuits and stuff. Have you ever had cane syrup? Yeah, I have. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm from the South, and people accuse me of being a Yankee because I don't drink sweet tea, you know, and I don't don't like collards, and, you know, I don't like (laughs) coleslaw. and i mean and i'll eat anything i'm a trash compactor but there's just a few things i don't care for but cane syrup oh my god i i man i, I don't like that stuff at all i don't see how people eat it
2: what about uh grits
1: oh yeah, yeah man grits. i'll tear up some grits mm, yeah. i love
2: grits we can't we like they don't grits isn't a thing where we are like you like don't see it ever but whenever i'm in the south
1: oh heck yeah man me some
2: grits yeah.
1: Heck yeah, Waffle House, man, they got good grits, man. Yeah. That's the bomb. Yeah, we need,
2: we need Waffle House in Canada.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know when I was in Vermont and I did the Ultra, and uh, mm-hmm. I, we were just went to a local store there, and it was some weird store name. I don't even remember what it was called. But <clears throat> at the end of the aisle, they had these little maple. All it was was just crystallized maple sugar in, like, these little yeah. bites.
0: Yeah. Um, Maple candies.
1: Yeah, I was like, and I was reading the back of it, and I was like, holy shit, that's a lot of calories and carbs and sugar all in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> so, it transitioned, I like ate like three of those on the way out. <laughs> nice. How did that treat you? It was good. It was a good way to get nice. calories, and it was quick and yeah. bite-sized.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, those are awesome. Well, hey, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking time to do this, man. Sorry it went yeah, long, man. Worse. I just had a lot of questions.
2: No worries. Yeah, no,
1: I had fun. But, yeah, oh, man. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks for talking to us, man, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. You Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Ryan again for taking the time to talk to us. I held him on the phone as long as I could. Uh, I could tell he was doing something in the background towards the end, so I figured I better cut it short. <clears throat> I had some more questions I want to ask. A lot of the questions I asked because I wanted to know the answers, too, and then I tried to ask a bunch of questions, and I thought maybe the listeners would... Want answers to as well. And I asked a couple of friends some questions that they wanted to hear too. Uh, I got some stickers made up for that got the logo on it. Uh, I don't really like the way they turned out. Just the type is kind of small on it. So I've kind of changed the logo. I don't know if you noticed it or not. You probably didn't. But the type is a little bit bigger. So I'm going to get some more stickers made. And uh, I'll probably start handing some of these out. Um, So if you see me at the Jacksonville race coming up. Uh, You come up to me and say, hey, Scott, your podcast fucking sucks. I'll give you a sticker. How about that? Verbatim, you got to be willing to drop the F-bomb if you want to get a free sticker. Uh, Update. So, me and Ryan were talking in the podcast about the Canadian death metal band named Fane. I know. It's a cool name, right? So, I thought the last time I looked, found it, that they were broke up. But they're not. And they've got a song that they released in 2019. And they got a clip on their Facebook page. Here it goes. Pretty good, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Y'all should check it out. I mean, with a name like that, <laughs> you can't go wrong. No new reviews at this time. If you leave a review, I will read it. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. And I'll see you at the next race, guys. Later.